Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast. I am your host, Jason Bailey. I am with Eric Mulher. As always, Eric, we're live on YouTube. It's a Monday, about noon my time, 1 o'clock Eastern. Uh, what a bloodbath this weekend. It was Rough uh, go. Rough, was, rough go. <laughs> it was not what I would call a banner weekend for our picks and uh, it, but it was, you know, for a kind of a ho-hum weekend slate-wise, it turned out to be really compelling and pretty exciting uh, football oh, for the most Yeah, there's some really good games. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the games. I just I didn't pick right on any of them. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll get to all that. I, I think the major takeaway, we're starting to, in my opinion, it's like you say, you said it a couple of weeks ago where you said the the pool of title contenders this year is sort of a lot bigger than seems like it. Yeah. And I I think that really showed this weekend. Like, I think you really hit the, the nail on the head there a couple of weeks ago when you talked about it, because all the top teams look like they have some kind of flaw, you know, be it whatever it may be, you know, Georgia, we'll talk about them in a little bit. They looked kind of rough, had to escape on the road. You know, Brock Bowers is, you know, I, I saw that pro the post game press conference of him. He looks like he's thirty five years old. <laughs> yeah, the hairline's not doing him any favors, but he's a hell no. of a player. Yeah, yeah, he is a hell of a player. But anyway, so let's dive into our bets this weekend. Hey, okay, so I'll just run over the the totals here, and then you can take us through each individual pick, and uh, we can start wherever you want to start. But for me, on the season now. Just under 500 after a brutal week and a, a kind of a bad beat there on LSU and Ole Miss. But was it though? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not really. No, I, was just, I don't think I was, it was. I was reaching. <laughs> Shut up. I was reaching. I was trying to make it, you know, ease the blow a little bit. But I'm 15 and 16 on the year, just under 500, and I'm four and one in the bullpen. Finally, one of my bullpen picks did not hit, so I Mm -hmm. don't feel all that bad about it. I feel like, okay, I could have been worse. So I am 15 and 16 on the year. You, after a brutal week, one of the worst beatings I've seen in a long time. bad, yeah. It it was bad. You've, You've dropped to 10 and 17 on the year and you're 0 and 2 in the bullpen man so it feels oh. so much worse than that 
It does. Indeed. All but right. It, so I didn't, take, I didn't look. If you'd have asked me to guess what my record is, I don't know that I would have given myself enough credit to say I picked 10 right this year. Like it's, <laughs> it feels like this is a trend. Um, all right. So take us through. You can start on me or you. I don't care whichever one, but uh, take us through each individual bet and we'll talk about the games as they pop up. And then on the back end of the show, we will uh, cover the games that we had no plays on. So uh, run okay. us through them. Uh, I'll start off with the two that you hit, uh, Jacksonville State minus six and a half versus Sam Houston State. Faded the Bearcats holy, with a K. So holy, holy shit, man! You yeah, that was a wild ride. On, I don't know if you watched that game. <laughs> I was up late watching that game, and man, that but get, I mean, never a doubt, right? Never a doubt. There right? Was, yeah, trailing by fourteen at halftime. Never had it in the bag. Um, yeah, if you if you go and look at the ESPN like matchup predictor and the odds of winning, with one minute and ten seconds left, Sam Houston State had a ninety nine point eight percent chance to win. Yep. And Rich Rod takes them down the field with a minute to go. They score. They get the ball first. Win in overtime. Crazy. Just if you're a Sam Houston better, it's a bad beat. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. know that there are any Sam Houston betters uh, with nice. the years that they're having. Um, unless there was someone just like dead set on fading Jacksonville true, State. Um, true, you also, true degenerates. You also hit on old trusty. Uh, my sixth favorite president, James Madison, minus three yeah. and a half over South yeah. Alabama. They they covered that really easily. Um, they're a wagon, man. They, they just keep doing it. They're a wagon. Yep. Uh, a team that we thought was a wagon, Washington, uh, you laid 17 and a half with them. They went to Arizona and came out. I think they won by seven or 10, seven or 10, something like that. They, they screwed around with them the whole game. It was just, it was Mm. an ugly performance that you could tell. And I don't really understand why they were sort of sleepwalking through that game, but they looked like they were just sleepwalking, didn't care. I don't know. It was, I didn't see much of it. I just saw the highlights because I think it was on Pac-12 Network, which I'm obviously I don't have. But it just it didn't look like a a very banner performance. It looked like they just kind of slept walked through the game and said, "Let's get the f- out of here with a win." Mm. Uh, Marshall also got out of there with the win, but they did not cover thirteen and a half, so that was a loss for you versus Man. Old Dominion, a team they should beat by two touchdowns. Oh God. <laughs> Went down 14 nothing. I mean, just <laughs> midway through the second, they're like, oh, shit, maybe we should start playing football. And that's well, that's really all. Yeah, ultimately, that's what, what got me beat was they went in a 14-point hole right out of the gate. And just, you know, from middle of the second on, they were 14 points better. But, you know, when you go down 14 nothing, that's uh, that's going to get you pretty much every time on betting. Um, what next? Uh, we talked about Georgia. They escaped Jade Jordan Hare with a seven point win. Uh, they did. They did not cover 14 and a half, which you had. And you, you texted me a screenshot of, of your parlay that day. And I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was in the middle of something and I couldn't text you back. My initial reaction was, I can't believe Jason is wagering actual money on an Auburn game. Like I, I never, I didn't expect it, I guess. Um, well, you know, after what I saw from Auburn the week before, right? I just could not bring myself to think that 
that they're going to be able to score points against Georgia. And ultimately they weren't Georgia had a couple of turnovers. They played like ass for three quarters, basically. And time and time again, throughout the game, Brock Bowers fucking bailed them out, you know, and then bailed them out on the last drive with the game winning touchdown. It's, yep. I got, I, I don't know about you. And again, I said it before the game. Like, I know Auburn Jesus is real, and I know that it's a road game in the SEC, which is a grind and it's tough and all of that. But if Brock Bowers is not in that game, Georgia loses. And Auburn only passed for like 85 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I don't know, man. Like, questions about Georgia now? I, I do. And I will talk. Um, I want to circle back to those questions about Georgia here in a minute once we get through some of my picks because there's a little bit of a corollary there. Okay. Um, your bullpen pick, you finally missed one. You had Iowa, Michigan State under 36 and a half. That finished 26 to 16. So, yep. Um, yep. What That's okay. Do? That's yeah. okay. I mean, you know, statistical averages, you bet on Iowa unders, most of the time they're going to hit. But, yeah. So, you know, it, uh, State scored some, scored some points, so it gives you a two and four record on the week. Uh, because the one I didn't talk about yet is the one I saved because I had it also. We were both on LSU minus two and a half, and what a disgusting, gross, unappealing display of an imitation of defense uh, played <laughs> by both teams. But man, well, you you expect that kind of thing from an old Miss defense, Kiffin-led team. You know, for them to give up 40 points in a game, not that uncommon. You're not really going to look at that and be like, man, that's surprising. But to see LSU give up a 55 spot just don't happen very often. And that's something where you're like, what the fuck happened? But we talked <laughs> – I put it in the in the group text earlier, you know, like LSU's defense should be relegated to, to group of five. Like they suck on defense. They're and, bad. And I don't yeah. I, they're like they're like Oklahoma two years ago. Yeah. Um, they Can't have tackle. they have Can't good players on defense. Mm-hmm. But as a unit, they are a bit, you know, Oklahoma two years ago had guys like Perry and Winfrey and Brian Osamoa and Nick Benito. They, you know, they, they yeah. had guys, they had Sunday players, right? They had, they had guys who are in the NFL right now starting for teams. Oh, yeah. And they were, they were awful. LSU is the same way. Mason Smith, uh, Makai Wingo, Harold Perkins, they're all going to play in the NFL. Oh, yeah. The secondary, which most people who looked at LSU had questions about, including us. Yeah, uh, and probably including Brian Kelly, if we're being real honest. I know I saw a couple interviews with him before the season where he was like, the, you know, the back end is a concern because we brought in so many transfers, and until you see them on the field, you don't really know, right? Um, right. And <laughs> yeah, we probably don't have a lot of casual football observers uh, watching the show or listening on podcast, but uh, if you don't know. I'll fill you in. The head coach of a major, you know, big time college football program, those guys hate nothing more than they hate unknowns. Like 
they want, even if it's bad, they want to know. They These guys leave nothing to chance. So for mm-hmm. LSU to go into a season with all these question marks in the secondary, like, okay, well, we got this transfer from Syracuse, and we got this transfer from Southeast Louisiana. We got this transfer from here. We don't really know what those guys are going to look like. Uh, it's just it's really surprising. And what we're seeing is why they don't like the unknown, right? Because it it's rough, and it's not going to get much easier for them. I mean, they're going to have to l- no. learn on the job. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, we talked about the secondary, and something I pointed out before the game was that I didn't have much faith in Jackson Dart to be able to push the ball down the field. Now, that wasn't. I think that was probably taken by a lot of people as an indictment on Jackson Dart. It's not that I didn't think he wasn't like any good. It's that I had a lot of faith in LSU's front to get pressure on him and make problems for them in the backfield. They didn't get anywhere near Jackson Dart all night, and he stood back there and threw for four hundred. You know, I mean, if you don't touch the guy, yeah, he's gonna burn you. I mean, that it doesn't matter anybody who can you know, throw the ball 40 yards somewhat accurately. If you don't touch them and give them plenty of time, they're going to beat most of the people they face. So 700 yards of offense, inexcusable. I just, I'm, I'm beside myself right now watching LSU play football. I'm like, what is going on? These guys, I mean, do you remember a few years back when, uh, I believe it was Dak Prescott, maybe went up to LSU and or no, it wasn't Dak Prescott. Who was it? The quarterback that went up to LSU and dropped like six hundred yards of offense on them passing. I forget who it was, but it was Mississippi State. Yeah, it was, State. Up, it was, it was Leach's first game. Yeah, uh, they went up there and dropped six hundred on the you know through the air on LSU. That's what it looked like. I mean, they're just like just dicing them up. I was just like, oh geez, this is I'm yeah, on a I loser here. I, I took the over on LSU. I took over nine and a half Mm -hmm. and even, and I, I guess at the time I was like, okay, I won't be shocked if they finish nine and three, like last year, right? Because of who they play. They play Florida state. They play Alabama. Uh, You know, they play, but I didn't think that they would be losing games like this because they're giving up 45 and 48 and 50, what, 52, 55 points. It's just brutal. Yeah, not good. I took the under on them and it looks like it's going to comfortably cover if they don't turn it around really quick. So, and I don't know know how they turn it around. I mean, I don't either. It's like we talked about with O-line play, like how, you know, unless you dial up a bunch of exotic stuff and get guys like Perkins and Wingo after the quarterback, like consistently. I don't know what this is going to be pass defense. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. It's uh, they're going to have to figure something out. But ultimately, again, you know, you're playing at home. It's a little different. Like they're going to be they'll still probably be favored in most of their home games, you know, mm-hmm. except maybe maybe the Bama game. I don't know. But uh, you can't just write them off because it's LSU and Brian sure. Kelly and they have NFL dudes all over the field. So I don't want to overreact <laughs> to the fact they gave up 700, but, man, that was a bad showing. That was, And they better get some shit figured out quick and 
maybe mix some other guys in. I don't know what they're going to do, but that, that was an ugly game. But same thing as the Marshall and Old Dominion game. We were on LSU minus two and a half, and what happens? They go they go down 14 nothing right out of the gate. Yeah, and immediately. So it's like, well, here we go. You know, same shit. We're, we're battling back the whole fucking game. And, yeah, did not cover, you know, but – Kudos to Ole Miss and Kiffin. You know, they get yeah, a big bounce win back. there for them. Yeah, huge bounce back. And that was the big thing. After the way Bama's defense dominated them in the second half of that game, I felt really confident about LSU's front being able to create a ton of problems. Just didn't happen. Yeah. Dart stood back there all day, and Judkins had a big day. And, you know, kudos to Kiffin, man, slicing them up. Yeah, so we both missed on that. Uh, other games I missed on. I'm not sure what I was thinking. I guess it was just like the the hardest fade of Michigan State ever. But I took Iowa minus 12 and a half. Um, they win by 10. Yeah. And really, the game was closer than that. To, I'm surprised they won by 10. Yeah. They they took a lead at within probably the final six minutes on a punt return because, of course. So, uh, <laughs> missed that one. I I. Took a shot on Illinois plus the points because I thought, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of Purdue. I've I've seen parts of a couple Purdue games. They haven't looked very good. They looked awful good on Saturday because they won forty four to nineteen. So I was never in that one. No, that uh, Illinois has. It's not the same level of defense that Mm-mm. we saw last year from no. Bielma's team. Their their defense is. Definitely taking a massive step back, in my opinion. And also, the quarterback play is not as good. It's brutal. So, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's a bad combo, man. When you, your defense gets worse and your quarterback gets worse, it's like, ugh, not good. So. Yeah. I mean, I still like their defensive front. Like, really, the, the two interior D-line guys. Everyone else on the defense is a clear downgrade yeah. from last season. Wouldn't shock me if Purdue's back in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, that, well, there's I dude that that division is the worst division, oh, yeah. awful in in football. It's fucking terrible. That's what I t- I told you last week after Iowa. I'm pretty sure it was less than 80 yards of total offense when then the Penn State game. I still I, like I, Iowa to win the Big Ten West. <laughs> Sad as that is, it may be true. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, another one I was never really in. I had Utah plus three and a half at Oregon State. I I saw an Oregon State team that I expected to see last week in the Washington State game, but man, they looked good. Yeah, Utah needs rising, yeah, healthy, healthy, of you know, unrestricted, fully effective cam rising in a big way because yeah, they have Nate Johnson and uh, what's the other kid's name Uh, Barnes. Barnes, yeah, yeah, yeah that both of those. It was just Oregon State bullied them. They couldn't get anything going offensively. They couldn't run the ball, but honestly, because they were no threat to throw it. So right. Oregon State's just stacking the box and stuffing the run. And when you give Oregon State that many opportunities, and they're, I mean, Damian Martinez is eventually going to find a hole, you yeah, know, somewhere because Oregon State has animals up front on their offensive line. So you give them that many opportunities, they're going to beat you. And uh, plus, I mean, it's a, I don't want to like overreact to it and say, oh, Utah's in big trouble because 
they didn't have cam rising, obviously, but it's also on the road in Corvallis. And this is not your typical, like, you know, ho-hum Oregon State team. They're every bit as good as they were last year. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of had a rough first half against Wazoo, but Wazoo much improved this year. So playing at home, it's a tough sell, man. Backup QB going in there, trying to get a win. Mm, not a good look. Yeah, they lost 21-7. So, um, yeah. Florida got run over and around and through by Ray Davis in Kentucky. I was on under 44 and a half. And that was, I want to say, 33 to 7 at halftime. Yeah, it was uh, somewhat close to going over. Thir- by 30 to 7. It was, yeah. I, I was in danger um, late second quarter. Yeah. I, I kind of, knew which way that one was headed. Uh, Kentucky ran for like 320 on these guys. Yeah. And, you know, you can you can win a game if you give up 320 yards passing. Uh, teams mm-hmm. do it all the time. Yeah. If you give up 320 on the ground, you have almost no chance. Basically. Yeah. Um, we saw that in a couple of games this weekend. You know, Kansas is a good example. Yes. Texas ran for like 340 on them. <laughs> yep. They got Dominant, yeah, if, if you if you give up three twenty on the ground, boy, you are in. You're going to lose that game nineteen times out of twenty. Yeah, agree. Um, Unless you're playing Air Force, and that's just all they do all right. game. Yeah, and, and they run for three ten on you with three hundred and twelve total yards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the SEC, you give up three hundred on the ground, you're done. You you yeah. have zero shot. So yeah, Ray Ray Davis definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that many people knew who Ray Davis was before this season started. You know, we had talked about him as a potential, you know, kind of breakout for them, like has a chance to have a great season if their O-line improves. I'd say he like rocketed himself to the top of the Conor McGregor, who the fuck is that yeah. guy? Award winner because holy shit, man, like 280 on the ground, <laughs> just ripping off huge runs. Florida's defense looked like it Ugh, it was ugly, man. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, they got some work to do. For as good as Florida looked in the Tennessee game, they looked every bit as bad uh, Saturday. Well, that was, so. you know, that was my concern coming in. I was like, I don't think Florida's defense is very good, especially on the road. Like, I don't like it. And, man, they just could not stop Kentucky's run game. Stupid. I mean, good for Devin Lear. He doesn't really have to do anything when Ray Davis is rushing for 280. Yeah, he. I mean, he threw for 70 yards. Yeah. Yeah, don't really have to do much. Just yeah. hand it off. It work, works out good. So that uh, that one actually, that game, not to get too far off the subject, that actually sort of overshadowed Graham Mertz playing a pretty good game. He's yeah. been he's been much better for Florida this year, uh, given their their problems up front than I would have expected coming in. Well, he and he's throwing the ball a lot more than I thought he would be coming into Mm -hmm. the season one, but two, he's been to me, the biggest problem for them is they can't push the ball down the field. Right. Like he's completing passes at all. Like I think a 70% completion rate, just about somewhere in there, like between 68 and 72 and his yards per attempt. I guarantee you are Nowhere near eight or nine yards attempt probably elite not. status, probably five, six at the most. It's it, a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of that kind of stuff. But 
Florida, to me, doesn't really have any big-time receiver talent outside of Pearsall. No, they so, don't. They, that, they, they still got some work to do roster-wise, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, we'll go over the one I got right, which was Coastal at Georgia Southern over 63-and-a-half. Uh, Coastal oh, yeah. over with their defense, always a, Never a temp- doubt. tempting proposition. Uh, yep. Georgia Southern wins 38-28, so covered uh, – I don't want to say easily, but fairly early. I, th- I think they went over midway through the fourth, so somewhat yeah. comfortably at least. Yeah. Uh, and then I had Memphis minus three and a half uh, versus Boise. They went 35-32 for my bullpen pick. So uh, I guess keeping it in the bullpen kept me from one and six versus one and five. But I do want to circle back to Kentucky and Florida because Kentucky plays Georgia this week. And that Indeed. is a line that I am I'm not to get too far ahead of myself because we'll talk about that on Tuesday or Wednesday. But 14 points a, right now? 14, yeah, it's 14 or 15. It's a line that looks a lot more interesting than it would have Friday night. Mm-hmm. Seeing what Auburn was able to do on the ground against Georgia and what Kentucky was able to do on the ground uh, all season, basically. Um, See, if this were in, if this were in Lexington – I would be a lot more interested in it, and I don't think it would be a full 14. I think you'd be somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 and a half or some odd, something around there. But given that it's in Athens, I don't. (laughs) I feel like Devin Leary is going to have to do something because if, if they try to repeat the formula that Auburn just ran where the quarterback throws for 85 yards and they rush for 200 some odd, they're going to get beat because you just can't stop Brock Bowers for four quarters. You can't do it. So, mm, do you think Kentucky's defense is better than Auburn's? Absolutely, yeah, I do. And the one thing that I want to, and like you said, I, I mean, because I do as well. So it's the one thing I want to see is can Georgia actually establish the run game and run it down people's throats because they haven't really been able to do it to this point. And so I'm kind of no, wondering. I mean, they missed a couple of guys with injury and that's been yeah. really their strength the last couple of years is, you know, when you can run the ball, when everyone in the stadium knows you're going to run the ball and still be yeah. effective, right? You're, you're probably going to win. Um, and they, they haven't probably run the ball as much as they, or as well as they, would like to or probably will going forward. I, I well, think. they also haven't been up big enough to just stop throwing and just hand it off. Well, that's part of it too, I guess, is if you're in a dogfight midway through the third quarter because you've been putzing around, yeah. you really can't just take the air out of it. Like you got to. My big thing for this team is I just kind of question, like, based on what I saw, because I watched the majority of that game. I just wonder, like, who is the big leader on this team? Like, do you know, like last year you had like Jalen Carter. The year before that, you had Jordan Davis. Who's the big dog leader on defense for this? Probably team the now? linebackers. Probably Dumas Johnson and Mondin. Maybe are are those guys first rounders? I I don't I don't know that any linebackers. Yeah. A first rounder in the modern NFL, but um, well, even edge rushers. I don't know that Georgia has like that, you know, slam dunk first round big dog on defense that we've seen the last few years. And so I begin to wonder, like, where's the leadership in the locker room? Like, because they're not um, coming out on fire, they're not dominating teams. And are they still winning? 
sure, you know, good for them. But when you get in the dog days and you got to go on the road and beat somebody that's worth a shit, it's like, eh, what, you know, where's the leadership at? I don't know. It's just, you know, for all the mailman was, he was a good leader. Sure. And they had. Yeah. You had, get a guy like Nolan Smith or yeah. whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like Michael like, Williams on the D yeah. line is probably going to be a first rounder. Mm-hmm. They, they have experienced guys in the secondary, but. You know, as far as who is the the N'Kobe Dean, yeah. right on field, or the Jay, yeah, or the Jalen Carter, or the Jordan Davis, or well, from a from a leadership perspective, I, I think N'Kobe mm-hmm. Dean would be the guy for the last couple of seasons. But agree, um, it's a bit curious. I think yeah. it's worth I think it's worth a conversation. And you know, after seeing what I've seen from Georgia thus far. I just question, and I mean, for the rest of their regular season schedule, it may not matter. They've got basically one game left that really will be difficult for them, I feel like, which is Tennessee. And well, they got at Tennessee, they got Ole Miss at home. Yeah. So, you know, Ole Miss. Wow. Um, so I'll be interested to see, but uh, I don't know, man. I'm starting to like if, and we'll, we'll cover this on the back end of the show because I want to do, I do want to have a little bit of an interesting speculative discussion on the back end of the show regarding Georgia, but finish this out with your picks here and then we'll, we'll cover the rest of these games. Yeah, we can can move to it because that's all of them. Okay. Excellent. All right. So uh, the other games that we did not have plays on that I, I, you know, a few of them that I found interesting, we mentioned Texas, uh, Kansas, they just unfortunate for Kansas. Jalen Daniels did not play. He was a late scratch with back tightness or something like that. And so never, never really much of a chance in that game. Mm-hmm. Texas just ran it down their throat and kind of grinded them into dust. And some people would say, why are they having to run 340 yards? Well, it's because they play Oklahoma next week. And, you know, they're probably trying to keep their quarterback healthy. Don't want him back there running around, possibly getting drilled, whatever. So I think it was just like, let's get the, Let's run the ball because we know we can run the ball. Let's get, run it. Get the fuck out of here. So 40 to 10 final there. Big beat down. Sets up a huge matchup this week. Potentially Oklahoma and Texas, the old Red River shootout, man. Yeah, so Top I, 10 the, game. Yeah. And I saw the line opened at either five or five and a half, and it's up to six and a half now. So, mm-hmm. you know, early, early Texas, early actions on Texas to cover. I honestly don't know what we're going to see, man, but I'm, you know, last year was kind of an outlier. Starting quarterback didn't play. Defense was bad. 49 to nothing. I mean, I would almost be willing to bet any amount of money that that won't happen again this year. So should be a really interesting matchup. It'll definitely be the game of the week, I would say. Uh, But again, Oklahoma, easy win. I, Oklahoma is usually not my style in betting. I usually kind of stay away from them because you can't ever trust their defense not to give up a backdoor touchdown right. for a, a, a bad beat. But yeah, especially with the spreads that they normally get in conference. Right. Play. But you know, after our show last week, I shot you a text and I was like, you know, I'm surprised neither one of us have jumped on Oklahoma. They're four and zero against the spread this year. They just keep doing it and. Maybe I should have jumped on them. And what do they do? 
They win by 30, yeah. easily cover, you know, smoke Iowa State to the tune of 50 to 20. So 5-0 and against the spread this year. So Vegas apparently has not caught up to them yet. We'll see if it catches up to them this week. I don't know. Honestly, as a selfish, like, degenerate, I'm kind of hoping, like, Texas just smokes them. So then the next week they're a short favorite and I can bet them again and they easily cover. But that's, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that the Vegas are going to react too hard to one game against a top yeah. opponent. But mm-hmm. so um, that's uh, kind of interesting for both of those teams. Alabama covers on the road for the third time in the last ten tries yeah. on the road in the SEC. They were two and seven coming into this year. The last two seasons, they were two and seven on the road uh, covering spreads. And they did not cover against uh, South Florida this year, so that made them two and eight. They finally get a cover on the road, uh, win big at Mississippi State. Pretty dominant performance. I saw Jalen Milrow had the top QBR in mm-hmm. the country in FBS this weekend. So Alabama seems like they're starting to figure it out at least. I mean, say what you want about the opponent, Mississippi State, but it was at home in their house, so. Impressive, I think. Mississippi Defense. State is a team that a lot of people coming into the season were, hey, you know, under the radar, they're going to be better than people think. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I took the under because I there's just too many questions swirling around them with everything that's gone on. But they Sure. And know, the schedule is absolutely brutal. It is. But I'm just saying, like, the revisionist history about, well, Mississippi State's no good. Well, a lot of people saying that now weren't saying that three months ago when it was yeah. preview magazine time. Right. Like, so yeah. what did they end up winning by? I don't have that written down. It was uh, 40 to 17. Alabama finished out okay. the game with, with four field goals and just, you know, yeah. kind of took their foot off the gas once it got to, you know, later in the game. But uh, yeah. it was See, a convincing, convincing. I knew you were watching it, so I didn't watch any of it. I was watching Notre Dame and Duke. No, Milrow looked really good. You know, scored on an early 50-yard touchdown run through one. I mean, it just – it was a convincing win. There was never a doubt that Alabama was going to win the game. So, first one we've seen on the road of those in a while. And uh, so, that's a encouraging sign for their team. And huge, in my opinion, game coming for Bama this week. I mean, it's it's for the driver's seat in the SEC West at this point. You know, you've got you got Texas A&M, no conference losses yet. They got that loss on the road to Miami, and Bama's got the loss to Texas. So whoever wins this game in Kyle Field this weekend is in the driver's seat, and the SEC West controls their own destiny the rest of the way. So should be a really interesting game. I saw Bama was a three-and-a-half-point favorite early on the road, and mm. – Kind of makes me want to bet Texas and him. I don't know, but well, well, strangely, um, LSU actually kind of still controls their own destiny because they still play both of those teams and they only have the one conference loss. Indeed. So I, I don't like their chances at all. I think it comes down to the two teams playing this weekend. But <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, I would have to agree. And speaking of Texas A and M, they played Arkansas this weekend. And I don't know if you got any eyes on that game. Did you happen to see any of it? Because I watched a good piece of it. Uh, so I TiVo'd it because I was watching something else. Now that mm-hmm. I have taken a leap into the 22nd or 21st century uh, and I have cable now, I'm able to 
oh, you know, nice. DVR shows instead of my semi-legal ish streams off Reddit. Um, so I TVO'd it, but I didn't go back and watch it after because it ended up being pretty lopsided. So, mm. well, uh, yeah, it was very lopsided. Texas A&M holds Arkansas to 175 total yards. Defense looked excellent. It was not, you know, we kind of, kind of wondered after uh, KJ Jefferson threw for 300 on LSU. I was like, man, are, are they that good or is LSU that bad? And I think, well, we, yeah, right. I was going to say that makes a lot more sense now in retrospect. Yes. Yes, it does. So uh, the total on this game looks like early, have it somewhere around 50 under. <laughs> Texas a and Alabama could be a defensive struggle. Uh, should be interesting, but um, yeah, that'll be a really big time game. Whoever's going to be in the driver's seat for the SEC West. All right. Now these uh, next couple, I'm going to rapid fire. It was, I believe 41 to 14 when USC took their foot off of gas against Colorado. All the and, way off the gas. Yeah, yes. And they only scored one more time and Colorado scored about 30 unanswered. So who cares? Colorado sucks, but unfortunately, like you said in uh, in the chat this weekend, it's not going to slow down the Colorado hype train. So, no, I wish some of that energy would transfer to the "what the hell is Lincoln Riley doing?" train. Well, um, it's a bad look for Alex Grinch to give up forty-one points to Colorado. I, I don't know how that guy still has a job. I don't. I don't know, but that that, uh, that defense is going to cost them a game that they can't afford to lose at some point this season, just like last year. Oh yeah, I mean, just like every year with Lincoln Riley, it's it's like his mo. I don't, you know, you talked about it with Barrett Salik in the off season where he's like, no, they can't win a title with this defense. And I saw some news headline when I pulled up my computer earlier. News headline pops up. It's like. Feinbaum crushes USC after a win. And he's saying the same thing that we've been saying. They can't win a title with this defense. It's not going to happen. So No, they I mean they can't even get out of their own conference with that defense. No. Well, they're going to stop somebody like Washington or right, Oregon. Or yeah. Uh, no, doesn't look too good. So I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, typical Lincoln Riley win. They score, you know, 48 and win by a touchdown. So good for them. But uh, is it disrespectful to rank LSU after two losses like they've had and 5-0 and Maryland sitting there unranked? Probably. <laughs> is, that, is that a little disrespectful? Because I mean, they played better teams than Maryland. I get it. Yes. But fair. they lost to those teams. Yeah. This is they the same lose. thing I keep circling back to like with the – the Alabama argument for the playoff last year. It's like, yeah, I, I get that they lost, you know, on the last play of the game, conference opponents on the road. I understand that. Still lost, right? Don't tell yeah. me how good your losses are or how good the teams are that beat you, right? You lost. Yeah. And, you know, LSU, especially both of their losses, they gave up 45 points at least. Well, I think what people – Speaking from an Alabama perspective, not to defend Alabama, but I think what most people, including myself, were more angry about is that if TCU played Alabama's schedule last year, they'd have lost six games because they they faced wow. a real team and lost by 60. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, Maryland, 
I mean, they keep doing it. Smoked Indiana's defense this weekend to the tune of like 40 to 10. I mean, it was a blowout. So big game for Maryland this week. Playing Ohio State. Mm-hmm. It could be five and one. <laughs> probably. I mean, to, probably, I'd but. Lo- I'd love to see an upset, but I, I'm not sure that uh, Tonga Valoa is going to really be able to do much against that defense. And Jim Knowles. It's, uh, could, they could Where's be that one at? I think it's in Ohio State. So. Mm. Yeah, typical, you know, Big Ten. They gotta they gotta make sure that uh, their three top teams stay competitive for you know the oh, entire gosh. season. Oh, wait a minute. I say three top teams, the only three good teams in the entire conference, excuse me, because the rest of the teams in that whole conference are trash. Except so, for Maryland. Who should be ranked? Well, I would agree Overall, they should be ranked, but <laughs> I would agree with that. But we'll see how good they are this weekend. Uh, all right, and then uh, we'll rapid fire. We talked about Oregon. We should have taken them. We, I was like, surely to God, they'll just crush Stanford into the ground like a railroad spike. And that's what happened. They thumped yeah. them. It was just a beatdown. We should have taken that. I feel like a moron. Stupid. Yeah, and uh, that's even with the benefit of being down like 10 to 3 at yeah. the end of the first quarter. Like they mm-hmm. got off to a, a Georgia-like slow start <laughs> offensively. It's becoming a trend with Georgia, isn't it? That's a good point. Uh, all right, next one. Oh, <laughs> the Gus bus blew a tire yeah. and roll and just went rolling off a cliff, man. You talk yeah. about you ever you ever been on an interstate um <laughs> and in like a hilly part of the country like Montana or western South Dakota or Colorado mm-hmm. where they have oh, yeah. the runaway semi, the little off ramps with the soft gravel. Oh yeah, the Gus bus like careened through that like evil Knievel, like didn't <laughs> slow down a bit. <laughs> it's, it's not good. If you don't know what we're talking about, Eric, do you know off the top of your head what that score was? Was that thirty-five to seven? I don't remember. They gave up twenty-six points in the fourth quarter. Okay, it was a four-touchdown margin. I think they basically. lost thirty-six to thirty-five. Yeah, it was 35 to 7, if I'm not mistaken. And Baylor comes all the way back and ends up winning. Dave Aranda, in my opinion, probably did some stuff to save his job there because they, man, if they'd have lost in that kind of fashion to UCF, that mm, things would have started getting ugly there. But talk about all time implosions. And I get it that UCF doesn't have their quarterback, Plumley is still not back. So, but 35 to 7? Come on, Gus. What are you doing, man? Just the, that you talk about bad beats, man. The live UCF betters just, oh, God, they took a bath. They took a massive bath. Oh, imagine betting on a live bet on UCF to, you know, to win when they're up 28. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take them plus 20 and a half. <laughs> yeah, or, or I'll minus, take them minus on the, 20 and a half. Yeah, or I'll take them on the money line at minus 450. You know, it's like this game's in hand. Give it to me. Bam. Oh, you know, some people took a bath on that. So brutal look for the Gus bus there. They're uh mm, that that would hurt, honestly. That that personally hurt me. I took the over on UCF and I was thinking, damn, they're gonna beat Baylor. Like that's a game that before the season I had checked off as a loss. Yeah. I was like, here we go. No, they don't. Fucking Malzahn. You can't ever trust him, man. You just can't trust that guy to do 
what you think he's going to do. Speaking of teams we can trust most weeks, Michigan took care of business, thumped Nebraska, never a game, just beat them yeah. down. No, Nebraska we, we, hasn't. We can trust them for the first nine games of their season. Yeah, basically. So Michigan keeps just trucking right along. Another big day from their running core. Uh, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Whew. Great game. It literally, whew, you know, uh, back that sort of a bad beat. If you're a if you're a Duke better, you know, I know Timmy was a Duke better this week at plus five and a half. You know, Notre Dame gets a late score, goes up a touchdown, wins and covers with what was it, thirty seconds to go, roughly. Yeah, it was about thirty. It, it, yeah. Notre Dame caught some breaks on special teams in that one. They. Duke missed a couple of field goals. One was pretty short. I, I want to say something like 25 or 26 yards, and then another one in the mid-30s. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame muffed a punt that it looked like Duke recovered, and then the ball kind of squirted out, and Notre Dame was able to get on it and keep possession. Mm-hmm. That was it. probably inside their own 35. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a turnover. Um, they, again, got away from the run game. In, in stretches that I didn't really get because they, for the most part, were effective. But, um, yeah. They I, I think we're starting to – maybe I'm premature here. I think we're really starting to see the ineffectiveness of the OC position at Notre Dame. Like, you know, they flirted with Andy Lugwood in the offseason. Uh, Brian Driscoll talked about how Notre Dame dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. And they ended up just promoting a guy from within, whatever. But I think what we're starting to see is really just ineptitude on offense. Uh, they have all the pieces that you would think you would need to have a successful offense, yeah. even against a team like Duke. And, well, and, and they they were down a couple of receivers due to injury, which yes. would make you think they're more likely to run the ball. Um, mm-hmm. They got a great game. Out of the the tight end, you know, stop me if you heard it before. Notre Dame has a really good tight end. Sit. Yeah, shocking. Yeah, um, glad you were sitting down for that one. Um, Hartman did not look great. No, and they kept him off balance most of the night, and that was really the thing that blew my mind was that Duke was creating problems for Notre Dame up front. I mean, yeah. aside from Michigan, I would argue that Notre Dame might have the best offensive line in the country outside of Michigan. And I mean, Duke pushed them around for a lot of the game, and it just yeah, no, man. They they did a good job of of creating pressure, and but they weren't as good against the run. And I, Notre Dame, it felt to me like kind of did them a little bit of a favor by not sticking not sticking with, with the run much. game. Yeah, but um, you know, wins a win, and they move on. Uh, I think they get Louisville next. They do, and, yeah. They're favored by something like seven and a half, mm-hmm. a touchdown-ish. Uh, we'll see yep. what happens with that line. But, um, you know, hope is alive for the Irish. Indeed. Still alive. They've got a couple of big games left. Clemson took care of business in the ACC, smoked uh, Syracuse. Syracuse has no one to throw the ball to. They're basically running me and you out there at receiver, so it's pretty ugly. Uh, but uh, so Clemson takes care of business, keeps on rolling. And then the last one I wanted to touch on here was Tennessee and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Tennessee gets revenge and uh, takes care of business, man. It was never really a close game. 
Neyland's just a tough place to play, man. It's yeah. tough. It's a tough place to play. So maybe Tennessee can get some things figured out because I think they do still have a few kinks to work out before they play Georgia. So if they can get those worked out, man, that Tennessee-Georgia game, a couple of weeks, it's going to be lit. So super excited to see that. But uh, any other major takeaways before we get the hell out of here and uh, we'll be back on Tuesday night? Um, not a takeaway, hit- but... But a are question. You hitting the, are you hitting the panic button yet? Oh, well, shit. I meant to. That's a good point. Before I do that, who should be ranked number one right now? W- wins and losses aside. Okay. I know this is what, all you... speculative. I know this is all speculative and this is, you know, it doesn't really matter. But based on the football you have seen. Okay. Wins and losses aside. And last year aside, just based on the results this year, mm-hmm. who would you rank number one? Uh, I because I would personally put Texas. I think I would one. lean Texas because mm-hmm. they they got that ten point win on the road at Alabama, and I believe all their other games they've won by three touchdowns or more. Yeah, they've been stupid they, people. They, you know, they have a great win on the resume and. They are dominating teams they should dominate. Yeah. You know, it's not like, a, you know, an Ohio State not struggling, but underwhelming against, you know, Indiana mm-hmm. or Georgia coming out in conference games like they have the last couple of weeks or, you know, yeah. the list goes on and on and on. And like we talked about at the top of the show, everyone's got a couple of warts, you know, whether it's, you know, USC's defense or Alabama's pass protection and question marks at quarterback or Georgia's uh, slow starts offensively. Name a team and there's there's a question mark, right? Even Florida State. Yeah, they beat Clemson. They didn't look like the better team for much of that game and they got a little help. You know, credit to them for, for hanging in there and not making the mistakes that would cost them the game, but, you know, the, far from dominant. Um, yeah. Of the teams that I've seen the fewest flaws in, uh, Texas comes to mind. Oregon comes to mind. Haven't mm-hmm. really seen a flaw from them yet. They've dominated pretty much everyone they've played. So yeah, the Texas Tech game was iffy. Um, but yeah, other for than that, yeah, for a half it was iffy. But you know, Rome Bo Nix comes through and you know finally gets it gets it going. I think that I think that was sort of a sleepwalking game. You know, and it was on the road, and yeah, it's basically Texas Tech Super Bowl. So, but I think Oregon's figured some shit out now, and they're just crushing people. So, yeah, I mean, they're, um, I'm they're calling st- the dogs off like early third. You know, and as far as you know, what I've seen this year, uh, teams who have looked the best, I I would be tempted to throw Notre Dame or uh, not Notre Dame, Penn State in there. Mm. Yeah, they screwed around with Northwestern. There's another one we talked about and we should have taken. They screwed around with them until halftime and then just smoked them, beat them 40 yeah. to 10 or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's you could argue that. I mean, Florida State, I think Boston College, that kind of snafu would keep them out of the number one spot for me. Like, if you wanted to rank them two or three, I would listen to that. But I think Texas right now has been – the best team that we've seen thus far this season. And 
this game will against Oklahoma will really, you know, because that and that's why it's so interesting because Oklahoma right now is undefeated and they've smoked everyone they've played. And no one on earth is considering Oklahoma like a top five team right now. No one. You don't hear that anywhere. And if they go out and they even keep it close against Texas, Oklahoma betters and people are going to start, holy shit, Oklahoma's got a chance. They could go Mm -hmm. and win it all this year. Whatever. You know, all that kind of shit. Or, I mean, for God's sakes, if they go and beat them, (laughs) can you imagine? I mean, what were the odds preseason on Oklahoma winning the title? It had to be like plus 5,000 or more, you know? No, they were they were probably second or third in the Big Twelve. I mean, well, I'm talking in, about I'm talking about playoff stuff. Oh, um, it had to be like plus ten thousand or some shit crazy, some huge number. And if they were to well, go beat Texas, I know it wasn't better. Texas, I know it wasn't better than plus two thousand. Yeah, there you go. So if they if they go and beat Texas, man, like whew, that's gonna make some shit real interesting, especially given. They're heading into the SEC next year, you know, and I would, uh, you know, we've we've talked about how they weren't ready for the SEC. Starting to think that maybe they are ready, you know, and we'll see. Well, they're certainly looking like they're getting closer to ready Mm -hmm. um, for next year. But yeah, but since you bring up Oklahoma, I I did want to ask. Yeah. What was your question? You My question was. um was going to be what team is nobody talking about that if you had to pick a, you know, a, a team maybe like outside the top 10 that you could see making the playoff, um, who would it be? And why is it Miami? Well, that's, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say a team that absolutely no one is mentioning right now is the Miami Hurricanes. And the fact that they are, 20 plus point favorites just about every week and they continue to smoke people and they look like they have an identity but they also really haven't played anybody outside of A&M so you know can they up I watched the majority of that game mm-hmm. A&M played A&M's defense played bad it just played bad there's no other way to put it it wasn't a talent thing they just played bad and got beat and because I mean, Miami doesn't have any first round caliber receivers. They don't have those dudes. There, there's nobody on in Miami's wide receiver room that's going to end up in the top ten in the draft. It's not going to happen. They don't have anybody that would even crack the depth chart for a team like Ohio State. You know, something like that, or, or Texas for that matter. So, to me, when Miami matches up against a team like Florida State, you know, or even Clemson. You know, who has a good defense. That's what I want to see. So, jury's still out on whether or not Miami, you know, can uh, become that team. But I would say that they are by far the most improved team alongside Oklahoma that we've seen this year. Yeah. Uh, is that fair? Yeah, it is. I, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right after the AM game. I don't know that there's a team that's improved as much up front as Miami. Both lines of scrimmage. Well, and we'll see how much AM has improved since that loss. You know, like I said, I think they played bad, but if they if they were to beat Alabama at home convincingly this week, even with the loss of Connor Wegman, 
then you're starting to say maybe they finally have figured some shit out. Maybe that Miami loss like woke them up and whatever. But Max Johnson seems to be getting the job done. So we'll yeah. see how good he is this week. But uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question, though. Miami, nobody talking about them. I, I just, Oklahoma. Yeah, Miami is not a team that I expected to be propping up five weeks into the season. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, they, God, this time last year, we were saying that Miami versus Florida State was the easiest money we were going to make all year. And it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember sending you a text and you were like, no, 21 and a half, not enough, bruh. Not enough. Not even close. I was like, all right, fine. I bet the house on it and it paid off. So we'll see, man. But uh, in the meantime, that's going to wrap us up for today. We went a lot longer than I figured we would on this uh, kind of ho-hum college football week, but uh, a lot of good matchups coming this week. We'll be back with you Tuesday night on the heels of me making a about an 11-hour drive with my dog. That's going to be fantastic. But we'll be uh, back with you Tuesday night and we'll be covering all the action for this week, dropping some bets. And in the meantime, you guys can find us on social media at south end zone pod and you can follow me at jason bailey 47 you can follow eric at eric mulher and we'll be back with you as always tuesday night until then catch you guys later on thank you very much have a great day